as strong as the woman next to me. Hey! I think back in the day, we called that girl power. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, we're not girls, right? But, well, you know, I but thought I- this was perfect. I was doing, um, I had some crazy patients today. And I'm trying to organize my patients a little bit differently, like functional medicine people on one day and then like the exercise rehabilitation people another day. And it just kind of helps my brain these days instead of going from like stuff to stuff. I don't know. I'm trying something new. Yeah, It was my gym day. And um, I thought this was a great t-shirt and I thought, you know what, I'm going to wear it for the podcast because that's how I feel about you. Yeah. Well, we'd be strong together, girlfriend. And Valentine's Day is coming up. So you know what our theme for today is going to be. Oh, (laughs) yes. This is interesting. So I've been with George Douglas for 31 years, right? And now 30 years. And George doesn't do event days we don't do birthday cards we don't definitely don't do valentines we don't do i mean he just doesn't do holidays i guess that's the way his family was right but when we were living in portland he planted maybe 12 dahlia bushes that because i said i like dahlias so he planted 12 dahlia bushes. They were, they grew to seven feet tall. Wow. Dahlias were like this. And he planted them so that he could cut flowers and put them on the counter for me or on the kitchen table. Yeah. And um, yeah, so Valentine's Day for me in the last 30 years, except for the four years where we split up, but for the last 30 years has been pretty much every day. Ah. Right? That's and when you think about it, the commercialization of affection and demonstrations. I, I used to be really big on cards and stuff for Valentine's Day, right? and all the holidays. And then George gradually won me over to his side. It's like, well, every day's Valentine's Day. Who do you, so in the clinic, we have that blackboard. And when I get back from Phoenix on the, I think on the third, the sign company is going to put graphics. What do you love? what makes you grateful and we have a stripe down the middle and so and we have chalk and you get to write who or what do you love what makes you grateful love and gratitude Mm -hmm. and that's every day yeah so so there I love that I think that's such an important especially for like for kind of what we do, you know, like I, I had it easy for so many years because I was treating athletes who love what they did every single day. And mm-hmm. I loved what I did. So it was a whole bunch of like love. Yeah. 
And that's not the case so much anymore. I'm seeing a lot more challenging patients and it can be challenging as a practitioner when you come home and you feel like you didn't even make a dent in anybody today. Right. So we have those days where you're just, um, so, so today I, I wanted to do a little more like love and gratitude, um, theme because, but you're right. Like we get to do this every time we talk. I feel like we have, uh, Mm -hmm. love and gratitude. Yeah. Well, and when you, even when you have patients that are so complicated, so chronic, so sick, so right. I swear that just the fact that you care enough to spend an hour on the history. So I had a patient come down. She's an MD. I've known her of her and known her for 20 years, but she's only been a patient twice. Comes down from Seattle and she has um, a calcified tendon at her hamstrings at the ischial tuberosities. And she went to a sports medicine doc that ultrasounded it and said, oh, that's imaged it. It's like, oh, that's what you have. And we can do prolo there and this and that. And she said, I'm I'm gonna go to Troutdale. So I felt the hamstring tendon and I felt the other one. And then I felt the pectineus and the brevis. And I said, how's your neck? And then she showed me the MRI of her neck. She's got an antralisthesis at C4-5, broad-based disc bulges at 5-6, 6-7. T1 is hyperesthetic. And so we did the thing. And I said, the pain in your butt is coming from your neck. And she said, say what? And that right shoulder that's really chronic, that's coming from the thing on your neck that's doing the thing on your right butt. And your left shoulder that you fell on, she said, yeah, I just, I'm really a klutz since childhood. And I said, klutz, interesting. So I did a vestibular screen and sure enough, she is saccadic on the right. And, and what that means for those of you that haven't been through the core is you say to the patient, um, keep your head straight forward, follow my finger with your eyes and the eyes should track smoothly. Well, you go to the left and she could track and you go to the right and she blinks and bounces. And then that was the first time. The second time she was able to suppress it. So patients that have chronic inner ear vestibular problems. It happened a long time ago and the brain has learned to suppress the bouncing because the bouncing is really annoying for the brain. So I said, but did the tuning fork, she only hears it on the left. Did the air conduction louder on the left? And I said, when did you hit your head? And she said, which time? And head injury as a child, I said, well, this was probably, she's 68. This was probably in your 20s. She said, oh, I had two or three auto accidents in my 20s. I said, do you remember if your head was turned to the right during one of them? And she said, no, it was too long ago. I said, well, this, you're not a klutz. This 
is why you've been falling, especially now that you're older. And this is why you've been, you self designate as a klutz. And she said, oh my God. So I'm making notes and I give her Dr. Resky's information. So then work, she fell, hurt a left shoulder, that's acute. I did new injury, treated torn and broken. And there's a place in her motion where it just sticks and grabs and hurts really bad. And I said, you know that time you fell? Yeah, that acts like a labrum. So you need an MRI on the shoulder because I'm not gonna get that done. We've got two sessions, one today, one tomorrow. The next day, oh, and I did 81 and 10 and got rid of the tightness in her pectineus, brevis, hamstrings, and low back. So increase descending inhibition. And then the next day I actually worked on her butt, worked on her right shoulder. First day was four hours, second day was two hours. And she's 68. And I said, this is a maintenance problem. It's not gonna, we're not gonna fix it. This isn't gonna last. You need a custom care. And because it's such a pain to treat, oh yeah, and she has GERD and she has allergies. So traumatic childhood, Vegas has been off since she was 10. And so she has allergies and GERD and stomach stuff. And I said, so treated her Vegas. And so when you come back, you need a custom care. This is a maintenance problem because she's really active and she's brilliant. And she's right. She's wants to enjoy her retirement. So I didn't fix her. I sent her out probably 70% better and it lasted overnight, but she knows what's wrong. She's got referrals. She has to get an MRI of her shoulder. She knows why her butt hurts, which makes it hurt less because you know why. And I didn't fix her. Right. But. Yes. All the things. So I have so much to say. I mean, I get like hypnotized talking to you. So like, I hate to watch, watch it. Do you ever watch us back on YouTube? No. I'm always like this. <laughs> <laughs> I have to try to check in with myself once in a while, because, um, you are such a good storyteller and that's what makes you such a great teacher, um, and a brilliant clinician. And I don't know how you do it both so well, because I think about like my teachers in college, and some of them were brilliant therapists and clinicians, but horrible teachers. Um, and you do both with such finesse. So um, um, you? I started in theater when I was 12 oh. and then did theater all the way through high school, all the way through college and did chorus roles in community theater. And when I was a teenager, you know how when you're a teenager, you just want to be up when the rest of the house is asleep? Right. Was in 50, late 50s, early 60s, all the 1940s musicals were, that was nighttime TV from 10 o'clock to one o'clock in the morning. So Fred Astaire, Gene Kelly, and so 
I, and then I was a pharmaceutical rep and I talked for a living and I sold stuff and educated doctors. So went to chiropractic college and just took that pre-seminar training with me. Right. And then the therapy part is just synthesis because I hang out with people that are smarter than me and then I remember what they say. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I try to do all the time. And it's funny how like our past lives kind of come up and you see why you had that past because it completely synthesizes and supports your present. Like I started out as a personal trainer. That was my very first post high school education that I took. And it came like full circle because now I just, I want people to move. That is my, that is my like elevator intro basement membrane fundamental oomph to what I do. It doesn't matter if you're 82 or a 20 year old Olympian, I want you to move better. And if you want to move I'm your person. Exactly. So it said like, there's no, I've never been one. You and I were talking about, um, range of motion and I know you like going by degrees, um, a lot. Right. And, um, I will go by percentages bilaterally. And so it doesn't matter. Like I tell people all the time, doesn't matter how you measure, but you have to measure before treatment and after treatment. And, you know, the, the look on people's faces. So it's also the absence of pain that they feel. And then watching what watching, they look at their arm, they look at you, they look back at the arm, they look at you. I'm like, keep going. And, you know, and I think we were, you were talking once about treating a horse in Ireland and it's, it's the same sort of thing when, you just, you watch and it doesn't matter what type of, if it's a human or an animal after treatment, there's, is it the absence of pain? Is it the, I don't know. You can talk about this better than I can, but it, that you don't have to pay me for that. Like those emotions and that presence of what am I doing is, um, well, and this patient, has been a practicing medical physician until three years ago. She retired. The one that you saw from Seattle. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that one. And she said, I'm, I was so sick of medical practice and I'm so glad to be retired. And she went to Belize and I was, I want to go to Belize. <laughs> and what I told her was, what could I be doing that's more fun than this? I know. It'd be nice to be snorkeling in Belize. Yes. And then after about three or four days it's like okay I I what could you do that's more fun than this I don't don't know working on the horse in Ireland that was the most magical thing and it's just what people do the horse had had not been able to trot or run in four or five years so it was just that he'd had a bunch of falls and for a horse their brachial plexus is in the same place as ours. It's just in front of their shoulders. So he had falls that created brachial plexus traction injuries. So we treated from around his neck down to his feet, his front feet. And we treated scarring in the nerve on both sides down to his chest, 
under his arm, little arm, his armpit. And then <laughs> the fun part was, you know how people get sort of floaty and a little bit stoned? Well, the horse about 15 minutes into the treatment starts dropping his head. And pretty soon his nose is on the dirt and he's <laughs> pawing like, I have to lay down now. So we had to turn off the machines, jiggle his halter, and he's like, whoa, what happened? <laughs> and then we treated him again, and he's like, mm. so it took about 50 minutes. And this horse had been scheduled to be put down. And this massage therapist rescued him and said, let me just treat his muscles, because he just has sore muscles. We treated adhesions in the nerves. So when we were done with the two sides, took the wraps off of him, took the towel off of him, and she led him out on the track in the arena. And he was walking gingerly, and you could see the, huh? And then she started running a bit, and he started trotting, and he, you could see him reach gingerly, so we didn't know to run 40 and 89 back in 2005 when I did that gingerly. And then there was this, huh? And then he shook his head and started trotting faster. And she took the lead off of him and he started running around the arena. Like he didn't <sighs> believe it. The look on it, I get goosebumps. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's so cool. So cool. That for people too. Yes. So. That's kind of what I wanted to, I have a whole bunch of things to talk about. Like I said, I have our Valentine's day themes and, and stuff, but, um, 40 and 89 has become a very pivotal frequency that I use with athletes, without athletes, with, with everybody. And it's an important component of, um, the hesitation to move, right? Like I, the, Afraid to move it is what you call it in your seminar. Yes. And, and I that, by the way, pardon me. I stole that. It's in the core. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you have to, because it is, you, you see it with everybody and the afraid to move it is with athletes, this um, phenomenon, I think works so much faster because they are repeating the same movement pattern over and over and over and over and over again. But as I was thinking about it and writing the sports course, it happens with anybody. So if you have a grocery checkout person that has carpal tunnel or any kind of repetitive strain from doing a movement pattern and you remove the source of the pain, it takes a little while for their nervous system to catch up with the phenomenon that there's no pain. And because what we do happens so fast, faster than anything you could ever imagine doing with your hands. Disorienting. Completely. Um, I feel it's an integral part of rehabilitation. Oh, absolutely. Because, and the thing I enjoy about being able to manipulate the nervous system so quickly is <clears throat> we have to think about it in an entirely different way. Um, Dave Burke was saying, he's a, a osteopath at Cleveland Clinic, PM&R. And he was saying, I've learned, and he and Ben Catholi both, 
I've learned more about the nervous system because I can treat it. So if you think about how the hippocampus and the thalamus run the brain. So you, the way the pathway goes, you go from the sensory and motor cortex. I want to move my arm. Okay. That impulse goes through the hippocampus and the thalamus and the hippocampus decides instantly, is it safe or not safe? The thalamus says, does it hurt or not hurt? These are generalizations. And then the impulse goes to the cerebellum and the spinal cord. Cerebellum coordinates the movement, basal ganglia makes it smooth. And then it gets to, I can move. So when we treat somebody that has, it's not just that it hurts to move, it's that the cerebellum has created abnormal movement patterns in order to protect the injured, whatever it is. Yeah. So treating just the cerebellum isn't going to get it done because the cerebellum says, yeah, I know how to do this. You can't move that muscle. You can't move that one. And you can't, and you've got to do it this way. And it's like, we get to have a conversation that includes the thalamus and the hippocampus. Right. Don't be afraid to move it. It's fine. And you can, you can watch their face as, as the fear goes away. They haven't even tried to move it yet, but you can watch their face and then you run increased secretions from the sensory and motor cortex and you have them move it. And as they get nervous, you go back and you flip it back to quiet the hippocampus. And then you go back to increased secretions in the sensory motor cortex. And then that's when you notice the bizarre abnormal movement patterns. It's like, you don't, you don't know. Upper trapezius has to go down, lower trap has to fire, serratus has to fire. Come on, let's stabilize the shoulder. Right. So that's when you do increased secretions in the cerebellum and the spinal cord. And the cerebellum actually, once you turn off the hippocampus, the cerebellum knows how the shoulder's supposed to move. Yes. The hippocampus has been riding herd on the cerebellum. Right. I kind of anthropomorphize the nervous system, right? I love it. But this is how people understand it. And this is what makes it fun. It's so fun. So you just, and because the reaction is so fast, you just zip, zip, zip. And then you have to, so this lady, because her right shoulder, it was the typical subscap, latissimus, that whole, and then um, bursitis and a little bit of tendinopathy. And then the joint, the humeral head was stuck at the top because it hadn't been down in so long. So we treated the joint capsule and passively, I just eventually was able to, and she looked up and went, how, huh, what? And then while she was still on the table, I got her to find her lower trapezius. She said, my upper trap is never relaxed. It's like, well, that's 40 and 94. Okay. It's just so cool. It is so cool. (laughs) And I hope everybody else um, 
<laughs> loves listening to us geek out because sometimes I forget that there's other people listening and it's not just you and I geeking out about what happened during the week anymore. So to the 30 people that are on live, <laughs> like, it's, sorry, it's, and you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, and you're welcome because there's no other medical model. This guy wants to prolo her partial thickness tear in her hamstring. Is it going to work? No, it's going to hurt. And it'll maybe after it finishes hurting more, it might hurt less, but it's not going to stop because the problem's coming from all the stuff, degeneration that's in her neck. Right. And it's 81 and 10. And she could feel it. That's the thing here. I want you to feel these muscles. I didn't even know there were muscles there. You know, she's an internist. What does she know? So pectineus and the brevis. Ow, those are really sore. Yeah, I know. Hang on. Give me, give me 30 minutes. Yeah. They don't hurt. No. And now there's your hamstrings. Oh, they're not tight. Right. The pain in your butt is coming from your neck. The pain in your shoulder is coming from your neck. Okay. Going back to what Dave Burke said, though, I, I have to reflect on, I think it was the first or second court. I've been to many courts, I have to say. I'm not a slow learner, but they're adventures every time you go and it changes and you hear something new and, and all different. the things. But I want to say it was the first core that you took the Dura from the advanced and you put it in the core because I remember you saying this used to be an advanced frequency. Yeah. And the, the trainer and manual therapist in me was like, I don't Dura. And you said, you treat the cord because you can't. And I was like, I had this moment. It was like someone suckered me in the stomach because until you can treat it, why would you treat it? Like who, I knew there was a Dura. I knew there was all these things, but who cared? Well, why would you think about it? You don't wow. think about it because you can't treat it. Exactly. So the, one of the most fun practicums, and once David Eeks has the time, one of the funnest practicums I ever did was a patient. He was the supine cervical, supine shoulder, supine cervical. And then at the end of the supine cervical, he had been a hockey player and he took a stick in the neck and... He said, oh, yeah, my hip flexors are always tight. Hmm. What connects the base of your skull, your neck, to your hip flexors? The question is, is the cerebellum going to let you rotate your pelvis, put your knee to your chest? If the dura is adhered and the dura connects from the base of the skull around the brain, down to the tailbone. When you flex your knees to your chest, your tailbone has to move this way, this way. And you, and the cerebellum's not gonna let you do that because the cerebellum's job is to protect the nervous system. Yeah. So his hip flexion was a hard stop at 85 or 90 degrees. It's just like, mm -mm, not going. So all I did was training scarring in the dura. But just neck to sacrum. And I just started rocking his knee and we got 
five degrees and then 10 degrees. And then we did the other hip, a little bit of rotation, a little bit of flexion, took 20 minutes and it eat both knees on his chest. And the first time we did it, when you got to 90 degrees, his head went like that, right? Because the dura is attached up here. If it's stuck any place down in the middle, it's going to pull on your head. So knee was on his chest and I had him tuck his chin and it was done. 20 minutes. We had to teach him to walk again, but, <laughs> you know. And, and sometimes I've been finding that the, with chronic conditions that they are afraid to move it. And rightfully so sometimes, sometimes there's a big old bone spur in the way, or there's a disc ready to just explode. There's, there's reason for the improper patterning, but mm -hmm. once you've removed the source of the pain and you know, the disc is okay. And there's bone spur is okay. And nothing is going to physiologically impede that range of motion. And you run 40 and 89 and you passively do it. And then you say, I want you to actively do it and incrementally take it right before that first barrier and hold it there for a second. Take a breath. Can you go a little bit further? Sometimes I'll do resisted active range of motion. So I'll have them push into me and have them blow through it. Eccentric is always exactly. first. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's that support, right? You're there, you're overriding their nervous system. And then it's, it's just taking them to the edge of what we do in dog training. It's flooding the fear, right? It's just taking them to the boogeyman, taking them to the scary place. You're there. It happened. Okay. And now we can do it ourselves. And it wasn't so bad. Um, it's funny. I have a patient, I have a quite a few, I would say most of my patients are listening to the podcast at some point. And so it's funny, they're coming in and they're going, were you talking about me last week? And I had a patient who came in and I was like, was I, I'm like, no, I wasn't, but she's almost exactly like you. So to the person that asked me if I'm talking about you last week, I'm talking about you right now. So this is your moment. So I had a patient who, and I sent you some of her imaging because I couldn't figure out why this person could not extend her knee. It always wanted to be in the safety zone, flexed, could not extend fully position. X-rays, it's arthritic, but it's not that bad. So why can't she extend her knee? So the practitioners that are out there, send stuff, call people. Sometimes you just need, I'm like, what am I missing? And sometimes you just need that reassurance. Like you're not missing anything. There's no reason why she can't do this. Well, and first thing that comes to my mind is 81 and 10. Yep. Did it. If you're and didn't work. No, no rats. It works in the clinic, like for a little while, but by the time 10, 15 minutes goes by, everything is right back to where it used to be. Rats. I know. I hate it when that happens. I know. Then you get an MRI of her neck, not her knee. Yes. So that's next on your list. But, um, and I think we actually might have that now. For sure we have x-rays. But sometimes it's just the reassurance, like, listen, I have looked through everything. 
I'm going to give this to somebody who might know more. And it's just that you come back and you circle back with that confidence. It's like a virtual 40 and 89. Like I'm afraid to do anything else because I don't, I don't know what else I'm missing. And I sent it to a dear friend who teaches, um, he used to teach neurology and radiology at one of the chiropractic colleges. So all of my weird imaging stuff, I love this man. I send him my things and he's like, no, there's, there's nothing there. Um, and I was going to say something about it, but then it, it fell out of my brain really quick, but it's the, go on. And so did you figure out what's going on with her knee? Uh, not really, but I just said, I think we're still, we've had some success. It's just not going as fast as the two of us would like. And she has okay. a custom care and sometimes you just have to think, well, maybe this is just going to take a little bit, but it's that confidence of we're on the right track and we just have to stick with it and, um, and force it a little bit. Like we can do this. Yeah. Well, and for me, so I tore a meniscus in my left knee, had a little partial tear and left medial meniscus in 1999, 2000 in there someplace. 99 and offered surgery. It's like, yeah, I know better than that. So I just treated it and it got better. Then about two years ago, when I got the autoimmune muscle thing and I was needing to run 81 and 10, eight hours a day, when the hamstring and the lower leg got tight, that left knee was my indicator because when the muscles got tight, it compressed the knee and I couldn't straighten it. Right. It turned out to be 81 and 10. And when 81 and 10 stopped working, I take baclofen every four hours. Right. And that's, that's how I, it's a maintenance problem. Right. And it's okay for it to be a maintenance problem, especially if she's over 35. Yes. By the time you're 40, your growth hormone drops and there's, you know, there's a thing after 40. Yes. So by the time you're 60, you're like a Ford F-150 with 200,000 miles on it. It's a maintenance problem. Right. I love that analogy. I'm going to go to a quick question before we go into some of our um, fun stuff here. Um, So Jane is writing, um, I'm being encouraged to submit a case report on my COVID long hauler client, even though she's not yet cured from the paralysis of her throat, larynx, tongue, et cetera. Um, because of the, well, um, because of the progress she has made, I really don't want to jinx her recovery by reporting early, but she can swallow. Now she can close her mouth. Now she can stick her tongue out. Now she can curl it back in her mouth and touch her soft palate. She still can't talk, but when she laughs, a little grunt comes out. She could do none of these things for almost 18 months. We have been working together now for the last seven. Do you want a preliminary case report? Sure. Yeah. And I'm assuming so since you know that the vocal cords are completely controlled by the vagus nerve. So you watch the vagus webinar and you know that the vocal cords, all but one of the vocal cords are controlled. It's a motor branch of the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is turned off by infection, stress, and trauma. COVID is an infection. So if you haven't already done it, 
I would suggest you run all six or seven of the virus frequencies in the vagus and you put the towel around washcloth behind her neck, washcloth under here, and you run the trauma, well, 40 and 89 virus in the midbrain because the midbrain is, so the hippocampus and the amygdala are affected by the virus. So the body picks up the virus, notifies the brain, excuse me, we're gonna die. The brain says, great, why do we need the vagus? So the brain turns off the vagus. In this case, the vagus is, um, so you have been treating virus in the vagus, tried virus in the, in 89, right? And then the other con contribution to speech comes out of the pons. So it coordinates speech. Speech is tricky because it happens. You have to have the idea to say the word cat. So you have the picture of cat in your head. You have the word cat stored someplace else. You have the motor coordination that it takes to say cat. And all of that has to get to the vagus and the vagus makes the vocal cords work, but the diaphragm has to work. So that's C3, 4, and 5. The midbrain has to stop worrying about it. And the cortex has to be able to form, to retrieve the word cat that goes with that furry thing. So when you think about all of the pieces that contribute to speech, speech is tough because it is, it's all over the brain. And when the virus affects the brain, I'm really pleased that you're using virus in the vagus. The, and the only reason I know these other random weird things is because I have a bachelor's in, oh goody, everything you mentioned and most of the progress has been in the last four weeks. Yep, few weeks. So I have a bachelor's in physiologic psych. So when you study physiologic psychology, you find out. And when you're, you know, kind of a OCD geek. <laughs> anyway, well, good. Well done. Um, for those who want more information on the virus, there's still a webinar, right? For what frequencies we're using. It's on the frequency specific website. Virus. Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah. So frequencies practitioners, um, public doesn't have access to it. Right. Um, so for those of you listening who are practitioners and you want more information on that, which I think we all need to have these um, frequencies programmed into our custom cares. Um, and if it, they're on the buddy, I think too, are they not? I'm not sure. If you've taken the advanced, I think JJ has them in the buddy. Got it. And the other thing I would suggest, just because Google has got such amazing resources now, if you can ignore the ads, you can put in speech pathway. So I, I, that's what I would put in, speech pathway. So if I was going to do a webinar on this, I would put in speech pathway and start tracking the literature on where it starts, where it goes, what connects to what, what controls it, 
and then how it ends up in your mouth, your vocal cords, and your ears are tied up in that. Right. That's just, that's just a really kind of like your, what you were just talking about. Whenever any of us get stuck on these cases, depending on your background, we get so um, myopic in what we see because it's all we know. So open up your netters or just Google pectineus and just to see what else is around there. Maybe there's a vessel there that you didn't think of. Maybe there's if you're working up in someone's low back, like, yes, you think of a kidney, but think of the fat pad, think of anything else, ask different questions. Maybe seeing a different organ will say, did you ever have any trouble with your gallbladder? Oh yes. I had it taken out. I had this, I had cysts, I had ectopic pregnancies, like the conversations that, and information and diagnostic tools from just opening up netters and saying, what the heck else is here? Because you can, because before who cared if there was an ovary there, you're just trying to smush through it to get to someone's psoas, which you're never going to touch anyways. Sorry. Remember the swimmer? Remember the swimmer? Yes. And it's like, and it was, it was his ureter and yep. it was kidney that was stuck to the QLs. So his right QL was weak. Hello. In an Olympic gold medalist. Right. And when we release the scarring and the kidney and the kidney fat pad, it's like, have you ever had a kidney infection? No. Kidney stone? No. Have you ever fallen flat on your back on the pool deck? Well, duh. He said, of course. And I said, when did you have the worst? The, when did it happen? It was about a year, eight months prior to the weak QLs because it takes that long for the scar tissue to form from the bruise. Right. Like, but nobody would, nobody did ask that question of this kid because why would you think of that if you can't treat it? Right. Makes FSM so fun because we can treat it. You, you think differently who in their right mind, sports medicine, PM sports medicine, doctor, Right. Never in his life has have connected the bone spur on our ischial tuberosity with the disc, three sections of discs in the antralisthesis in her C-spine. Of course. They're, they're too far apart. They can't be related. This right. right? And right. in our world, it's like, well, duh. <laughs> okay. I have some love questions for you. Okay. Warm and fuzzy. This might, um, this might be a long story, but, um, can you remember the moment that you truly fell in love with FSM? Not where you were interested in it, but not when it kind of opened your eyes, but was there, did you have a ah, moment? Oh, the, it was the longshoreman. The first, actually the first person I treated and one other girl. So the, the long swarman what had trigger points in his SCM had a neck like a tree trunk. And every time he lifted his head and turned it, he got dizzy and trigger points in, I think the clavicular head of the SCM caused dizziness because of the proprioceptive input. And I knew that, and I'd been mashing on the trigger points in his SCM for 
I don't know, three months. And that was, and I had the the frequencies written on the back of a business card. And I'd only treated people with sticky pads with George in the room. So this was 1996. And the graphite gloves were across the hall and attached to the machine that did the facials. And I looked at the card, I looked at his neck, I looked at the graphite gloves through the open door and went, can I try something on you? He said, I'm about to lose my job, so yeah. And he was a longshoreman. So at night when he turned his head, he just got dizzy. But in the daytime, he's looking down and he turns his head, he gets dizzy and he's got a 5,000 ton railroad car on the end of a steel cable. That's a bad time to be dizzy. So he was about to go to a neurologist the next day and he was about to get fired. So can I try something? He said, yeah. So I went across, I got the graphite gloves, I put them on my hand, I looked at the card, I treated the muscle and the muscle just turned to pudding. Now that's back when I thought it was the muscle and in his case, it probably was. And that was like, oh my God, that, but then the real one where I just, it became my mission in life was the woman I talked about in the book that arrived on a Monday with fibromyalgia, full body pain, so good puppy, and CRPS. So she had RSD, CRPS in her right leg. She had a spinal cord stim unit that she hated. Um, And temperature in her right leg was 22 degrees Fahrenheit, colder than her left leg from the knee down. She'd been in an auto accident and jammed her um, leg on uh, the dashboard. And they, she had a fracture, they put the cast on, it was too tight, she got RSD. So she arrived with two incurable conditions on Monday. The CRPS was gone by Wednesday and she, she occupied a room from noon to five for five days that week. CRPS was gone on Wednesday. Fibromyalgia was gone on Friday or vice versa. It was done. So the one thing that was left were these two hot facets on the right. And I said, well, we'll get to those next week. So she came in on Monday and she had spent the weekend. I said, just take your medication, swim, relax, take care of yourself. She spent the weekend withdrawing from opiates, sweating, throwing up, cold, husband talking her through it. She came in on Monday off of opiates for the first time in three years. And we finished things up. And by Monday, it was clear it was just these two hot facets in her low back on the right. It's like called Roy Slack and said, can you inject these facets on Friday before she goes home? Yep. So we did PT, we did FSM, she did exercises. He injected the facets on Thursday or Friday. When she left the following Monday, 
she was completely pain-free, fully recovered and rehabbed. She swam every night and that was it. So from that, I th- she was the one that really did it. Right. Because up until that time, there was this anxiety in me about doing this correctly so I didn't screw it up because it was so far so important. After her, everything after her was gravy. If she was the only patient I ever treated, ever, then all of it was worthwhile. And that was 22 years ago. So everything after that, I guess that's when I fell in love. That was, how could I not do this? So it's when you meet the partner that you love, right? That's part of your heart. Mm -hmm. It's like, how could I not? Right. Yeah. So what's your time? Yeah, I think the first time you feel smush, you fall in love. But it's not like true love. It's like that. It's almost like an addiction. Like, I need to do that again. I want more, you know, and and, you know, you're kind of like the dealer, like, yeah, the first one's for free. And then you're going to have to come see me for some training to get you know, your next hit. And then you want to do it again and again and again. So for sure, you know, and I talk about my first patient that I, it was a professional hockey player that what I did was not possible in an hour. That muscle didn't turn to pudding. It couldn't have, but it did. And it did it in three minutes. And it's that moment where you do, you take your hands off of it and you're just like, like, yeah, exactly. You know, and then it's like, I want more. <laughs> I want to do it again. How can you not? And then that's what drives you to keep learning. It's why yeah. the core has gone from two days to three days to three and a half to four. It's like been like boiling a frog for 25 years. Right. <laughs> it's like, and now it's five days and I'm completely unapologetic. It's like, you're what? welcome. And I'm sorry. How, how can I send you home? Yes. I know it's too much. And that, yes, that's why you have to watch it six times. Naomi Kelly, I think holds the record. Her first core was 1998 or 99. She came every single year to the Portland core until she retired in 2017. That's seven. And she said, it's different every time. Yeah. Because the stories are different. The demo patients are different. The, the thought process. How, and how do I not do that? How do I, how do, how do we, because now I'm not the only one teaching it. And how do we not do that? How, if I was the only one that could do this, it would be meaningless. But the fact that we can teach somebody how to think, what to do, and then turn them loose at the end of five overwhelming, mind-blowing, I'm really sorry and you're welcome days, and say, don't worry about it. Dive in, because doing it is the way that you're going to learn. 
this is just first grade. Right. FSM responses, that smush, that will teach you what you need to know. If it doesn't work, you got to back up, look at it a different way. It is really good for your mind because it teaches you to be flexible. Right. Okay. It's not her hamstring. Well, what, what else? What it's, it's her hamstring. Her hamstring's tight. Oh, what makes the hamstring tight? Oh yeah. 81 and 10. Right. How do you get 81 and 10 to hold? Uh, that's why they're our custom cares. Cause you don't want to see me every day. Right. And I don't want you to be in pain four days out of five. Right. And I want to empower the patient to be able to treat themselves. Selling custom cares is not my job. Right. Getting the patient to be independent and powerful over their condition. That's, that's what we're there for. Yes. Oh, I can yes. Say. Yes. So my, my, you kind of, you always answer my questions before I ask them. So I talked about, you know, when you fell in love with FSM and then I was going to follow up with what do you love about treating patients versus teaching practitioners? And I, I think it's the same loop that you were just saying, right? It's, it's changing. And we taught you, you have it, it's changing medicine. It's changing lives. It's, if you just change that one person, right. Um, but it's, if you're any kind of competitive person, <laughs> you want to, you want to, you want to keep doing it and keep doing it. Cause you know, it's possible and you know, it's there. You just haven't, you just have to get to that. You just have to keep asking the right questions. We went to Cleveland to do the two day practicum. Just recently. Just recently. Yeah. And there were five students and Kevin was distraught because there were only five. There should be 20 people here. It's like, why are we going to Cleveland? Because one of those five people can change a hundred lives. So four people don't get it. One people, one people, one person really takes it on and has that, oh my God, moment. And there were actually two physical therapists from Iowa and watching her face the, doing the supine cervical practicum, worth the plane ticket, worth the hotel, worth the whole thing. Right. It's, did that just, did that, how did, what? So. Yes. That's what got me to wanting to teach the sports course. And I'll never forget pitching it to you with my five little PowerPoint slides in San Francisco, however many years ago, because it was at a core. It was when you came to Canada, I think it was a very heavy uh, Cairo PT audience. And I saw when they were like checked in and I saw when they were checking Facebook and I'm like, we have to speak a different language to these people. And I was seeing so many athletes then that's when you want to stand up on the rooftop and just scream, like, there's another way. Yes. <laughs> like, there's, 
there's another way that's not going to make you feel like you've been hit by a truck the next day. And that's going to get these sleepy motor units to fire again, that have been turned off. And for me, it's, it, I got addicted to smush, but now I get addicted to movement. So when you're at the sports course and you're doing a one-legged squat and somebody who couldn't do it, and then they can do it 20 seconds later and they jump off the balance pad and they're like, what was that? I'm like, what we do 8192 8194 and they're just like <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i i'm so grateful for our little um community big community yeah that's the and that's the gratitude part so messages from water the book that was oh i guess in the 90s 2001 was when i read it when george gave it to me and there it was a Japanese naturopath, something. And he had the idea to put words on vials of water and then take those vials into a freezer chamber where there was a microscope and drop a drop of water on this slide. And he would do a hundred slides with a vial that said love and gratitude. And 85% of the drops, the crystals formed from those drops were identical, whether it was written in Japanese, English, French, German. Wisdom in a vial, completely different. A hexagon with little chevrons in the corner, 85% of them, it's not 100%. And it's like the beautiful sunburst crystal that's created by love and gratitude. And it's, so it's, it's just how we live when you have to stop at a red light, you can do a couple of things. You can be annoyed because you're going to be three minutes later than you would have been, or you can appreciate the fact that the person that has the green light needed it more than you did and it's entirely possible <laughs> that's not true i needed the green light that's <laughs> but it's entirely possible that had you made the green light there's an auto accident waiting for you half a mile down the road that you just watched right. and you right. get to choose that response yeah once you realize you have a choice that was a big turning point for me I can't even remember when that was, probably probably in 1990, where I created the alphabet exercises. Yes, right? it's in the back of the resonance effect. Yeah. Yes. And it's like, I was so negative and so distraught and so angry all the time. And I read a book called Living with Joy. And they said, you can't feel, neg neg you can't not feel negative. You have to actively focus on something positive. So I had an address book with those little alphabet tags. And I wrote every positive word I could think of that started with A and B and C all the way through the alphabet. Z was a little bit of a challenge. And then my friend said, zippy. Okay. So I just fake it till you make it. I just read them. 
I don't want to read them. I'm really pissed off. Well, read them. Okay, fine. And then, so it's a process. Yes. Same thing with patients. They don't get there all at one time. Your idea about the process and taking them from where they are and afraid and angry. Yeah. And reframing it. That's the other thing that's so magical about FSM. You get somebody better and they go through the stages of grief in about 20 minutes. They get mm -hmm. angry at the doctors that couldn't help them. They get, they feel grief because they've lost so much over the years. And then the reframing is, well, yeah, it was inconvenient. It really was horrible. You're right. And they were mean to you. And that was bad. But think about what you gained. And the patient just, it's like you, you know, wet washcloth in the face. Totally. What, what do you mean what I gained? Well, you found out that the world will not come to an end if there are dust balls in the middle of the family room. Mm -hmm. That your son or your husband can take out the trash. That you can ask friends for help. You've learned empathy. How did you feel about people that used canes or crutches before? How do you feel now? Oh, and when you, everything that comes into your life comes into your life to teach you a lesson. Once you learn the lesson, if you're lucky, you get to get rid of all or most of the condition, but you get to keep the wisdom. If I fix your body and you don't keep the wisdom then I just need you to th sit with that for a while. And that's why I'm going to see you Thursday. Yes. The day they recover is not the last day you see them. Right. Right. Yeah. There's that safe follow-up for them. And with me, when I had COVID, it was the brain fog fatigue that I got that I have never experienced before. And what a gift it was. And I'm still not a hundred percent, but I'm pretty, pretty close to being fully out of that. Um, but I had a new patient this week who had chronic fatigue, has chronic fatigue. Um, and I could sit with her and understand her in a way that before I would have been um, annoyed. Impatient. Yeah. Impatient with like, come on, get with the program, put your shoes on and go for a run like that. I, I just couldn't, you know, I like, I get it. So, and you know, that was the first thing she said, she's like, thank you for really listening to me because nobody's really sat and listened. Nobody and I think it. that's part of it, you know, like we're not trying to rush people out the door. You know, we're not, we don't have our hand on the doorknob before they're done. They're two symptoms or whatever. A lot of these primary cares are only allowed to treat or see. So, um, yeah, I am grateful for the, um, the fatigue and the brain fog. Yeah. So, and for me, it was mold. Yeah. Autoimmune disease. Yeah. Uh, in Johnston. Yeah. Cortisol. Yeah. Uh, my salivary cortisol was in the morning, it's supposed to be 25 to 30. 
it was eight. Jeez. Eight. Eight. Nine. Ken Johnston saved my life. Marilyn Chalmers, dental infection. Mold. Neil Nathan. Right. I just got lucky. I know people that are really good at what they do. Yes. Otherwise, when I had the mold issues, exhaustion, oh my God, anxiety and depression at the same time. How do you, and I wasn't anxious or depressed. My body was. Yes. Because the mold creates so much inflammation in the brain. Yeah. Which is part of why the advanced looks like what it looks like. Right. So that you see how to think about. Isn't that how? It's so cool. <laughs> I just and we're going to be seeing each other very soon to talk about all these things in person because the advanced is two weeks away, roughly. Well, my trip starts Monday. We have 30 people for the core in person and it's being live streamed. Yes. So that's exciting. Yes. And, um, I haven't, just so everybody knows, I haven't done a live core since January of 2020 before, well, two years. Yeah. Everything else has been live streamed. Yes. And it's going to be interesting because I, yeah, so that'll be fun. And then we have three days with you, yes. which kind of bums me out because you and I don't get to go shopping. I know, but I'm going to, I'll tell you, you said hi. Please do. I'm going to bring some stuff. I might try to get there at some point as well. Well, it's just come a few days early. It'll be fun. Maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. The sports, the basic sports is sold out. The sports core is uh, master uh, advanced course is sold out. So we are busting at the seams. Um, and then we get to see Jay Shaw on Thursday and then the advance starts on Friday. And I'm sort of mad at you that you put me back to back with Dr. Muznick's long haul COVID because I'm going to have an audience of zero and I'm super upset because my diastasis talk is outstanding if I do say so myself. So you're doing the diastasis in the morning and then aren't you doing something similar in the afternoon? You got 90 minutes in the afternoon. I know I have 90 minutes um, morning twice. So I have a 90 minute diastasis, um, rehabilitation talk. And then I'm doing 90 minutes on like advanced physical medicine strategies. Well, why don't you swap them? I might do this physical medicine in the morning and the, and we just won't tell Kevin that you and I just completely. <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure it out. Cause I, good idea. Let's, we'll let's swap them. All right. The physical medicine track people will come see you and they don't want to see David anyway because they don't aren't treating COVID and everybody should see the diastasis talk because you've been geeking out about that for about two months. Easily. Yeah. Be fun. Oh, and instructors and faculty and certified practitioners. There's a reception uh, Friday, Friday night. Friday night. Originally, I think I said it was Saturday, but I made it Friday because of something. So it's Friday. So that'll be fun. Oh, and Dr. Risky. I'm so excited. So many things. Like we're like kids in candy stores. It's um in food. Okay. okay. So that's it for today.
I know. We're then, like, we're how are we gonna do? You're on your own next Wednesday. Because mm -hmm. I'm gonna be busy. Yeah, and there's yeah, stopping the core at four o'clock. Four o'clock is not gonna happen. No. So, okay, have fun. Thank you. Everybody, still come next Wednesday. I've got some fun stuff planned. Oh, you drive the bus. I'm just a very willing and <laughs> so you. <laughs> so you will have a very fun bus ride next Wednesday. I will. Um, and we will see you the week. And then the week after that, I think you're on your own because I will still be teaching the sports master's course that Wednesday night, or we could do it live right after we might be wrapping up right around four. So we could do it live from Phoenix. Maybe live from Phoenix. Let's ask Kevin. We'll do the uh, Kevin's nodding. So that's good. All right. So next Wednesday, it's just me the weekend after live from Phoenix. It's Kim and Carol show. That'll be so fun. I love it. We could do a little recap, a little poolside talk. I'm liking the poolside idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a very happy week. Safe travels to you next week. And we will see you shortly. But we'll talk to you before that. And remember 970 and 33. Love wins. Happy Valentine's Day. I love it. Very good. Bye. Bye. The Frequency Specific Microcurrent Podcast has been produced by Frequency Specific Seminars for entertainment, educational, and information purposes only. The information and opinion provided in the podcast are not medical advice, do not create any type of doctor-patient relationship, and unless expressly stated, do not reflect the opinions of its affiliates, subsidiaries, or sponsors, or the hosts, or any of the podcast guests or affiliated professional organizations. No person should act or refrain from acting on the basis of the content provided in any podcast without first seeking appropriate medical advice and counseling. No information provided in any podcast should be used as a substitute for personalized medical advice and counseling. FSS expressly disclaims any and all liability relating to any actions taken or not taken based on or any contents of this podcast.